Hi there. My name is Amelia from Amelia Botanica, and I am so ready to take you on this journey to find yourself, be the most vibrant you can be, and take your existence to that next level. I'm a clinical naturopath and trauma-informed EFT tapping practitioner, and I'm your host, ready to guide you through life's health journeys. This podcast is going to allow you to strip away all the confusion and step into your best self, equipped with confidence, self-advocacy, and motivation to drive your wellness to that next level of radiance. So join me weekly in this collective for this beautiful sharing of information. Each week, I will either interview amazing practitioners, clients, or healers from all different realms of healthcare, or move into a solo episode where I'll share more about my own health experience and my favorite tips to make you the most vibrant you can be. We discuss how these amazing people move their stories from pain to power. I can't wait to join you on this amazing journey. Hello, lovely ones, and welcome to another episode of the Amelia Botanica podcast, From Pain to Power. Today we have Lauren Woods on as our first official guest on the podcast. When I was dreaming up the podcast, as I say in the beginning, she is just someone I wanted to have on straight from the get-go. She is a psychologist and beautiful meditation coach, breathwork, everything. She's just one of the most amazing people. Her regulation in this episode is amazing. She's just so calm and present and makes you feel so supported and joyous. She is a wealth of knowledge. She has the most incredible information to share with you all about trauma, clinical psychology, how to support yourself when you're feeling really dysregulated and just talks all things nervous system. Now, the reason I chose her to be the first guest on the podcast was because I feel like everyone has a bit of nervous system dysregulation. We're all quite exhausted and overwhelmed. There's so much going on in the body and the world at the moment. So she just provides some wonderful tips and tricks on how to just bring yourself back down, ground the body a bit and move from that kind of fight or flight into rest and digest. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I have linked Lauren's contact details in the show notes because she has just the most amazing messaging and I'd love the community to get to know her a little bit more. We will definitely be having her back on, but I hope you love this first episode with a guest on the Amelia Botanica podcast. Let us know what you think and we just hope you love it as much as we loved recording it. So thank you so much and we'll chat soon. Alrighty, welcome Lauren to the Amelia Botanica podcast from Pain to Power. When I was dreaming up this podcast, I wrote down a list of all of the amazing practitioners and women that I wanted to have on and your name was one of the first ones. I just find you so inspiring and authentic and interesting and so I'd love to hear more about you but firstly, how have you moved your pain to power? Thank you for that beautiful little intro. It's Mm -hmm. just my honour and privilege to be chatting with you. Um, That's such a big question to start with. (laughs) And I think that for me to answer that, I probably have to weave in a little bit of my story, Mm -hmm. I suppose. And, yeah, I think my journey of moving pain to power in the way that I do now and the way that I do with my clients has sort of come from my experience 
as a younger person when I was, yeah, 16 and in quite a dark space. And I was blessed enough to work with a psychologist at the time, actually for a really short time, who gifted me so many things. But I think most importantly, a new way with which to see myself and the world. And I was sort of given a choice, I guess, in that moment or in that period of my life where I could be like, okay, I can choose to sit with this pain and stay in this place or I can choose to, yeah, transform Mm -hmm. this pain into something more powerful. And from that experience and from other, I guess, more body-based challenges that had come up, Mm -hmm. had spinal surgery when I was, 17 so that period of my time like my life was so potent with pain both psychological and Mm. physical and yeah I when I sort of started coming out of that period of my life and could sit in more lightness I yeah said to myself that if I could gift the experience of that perspective to any one person on my journey, then I would have fulfilled my life's purpose. So hence me going down the psychologist pathway. And now I'm so blessed to say that my purpose and my passion have, you know, I guess transformed tenfold. And I'm now on this path to, I think every day, transform pain to power both for myself and also the amazing humans that I get to work with wow thank you for sharing and it is a big question to start with (laughs) I think it is nice to just jump into it straight away Mm. because I feel like today isn't going to be just a a relaxed conversation it's (laughs) really powerful and so yeah I hope you know how thankful I am um so in that what makes you feel powerful now as this amazing psychologist in this realm Mm. I think what makes me feel powerful, interestingly, when you, when you ask that question, I go to the things that make me feel powerless. And what I notice with what comes up for me is that when I'm powerless, I'm disembodied and I'm disconnected to myself. So when I'm powerful, I'm connected with myself. I'm listening to my body first and foremost And I'm choosing to act in ways that are in alignment with my highest self Mm -hmm. and what my body's asking of me. So, for example, like this morning, I can be quite rigid with my morning routine. (laughs) (laughs) And I can very quickly be like, okay, I need to do some movement. And if I'm disembodied or if I'm not in my power, then I'll just, yeah, try and tick the boxes rather than slow down, check in with what's happening. Mm -hmm. And when I'm powerful, I'm asking myself, okay, what does my body need? Like if I notice inflammation, for example, okay, I probably don't need to do a really intense strength workout today. It would be much more nourishing if I move more slowly and just intentionally. And that is going to help me in the short term and obviously the long term throughout the day. So I feel powerful when I'm present to myself and to my body and I'm acting in ways that serve my highest truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And just to be 
yeah, connected with your body and listening to it rather than pushing those voices aside and punishing is such a strong, potent form of healing because mm. the body and the nervous system love to be heard and listened to and cared for. So to be able to respect yourself enough to be like, okay, I'm not actually feeling up to this. That doesn't make me weak. That actually makes mm. me powerful. So yeah. that's a really great, a great offering to share. Mm. So I'd love to just hear more about you and what you do in the health space, how you support your clients on their journey. And, you know, let's roll from there. Yeah, sure. So I am a psychologist Um, I'm also a meditation teacher, so I love to practice with a mindfulness-based, I guess, intention through all that I do, whether that's explicitly practice. Um, So I work at a couple of private practices in Sydney, and I also am building my own little space as well, um, which is Lightwork Psychology. And it's just been such a beautiful journey. I'm only a few years into practicing. So I'm at this, as we were speaking about just before, this potent phase of like, oh my gosh, just teach me all the things. I'm wanting to soak up all the wisdom. And I find myself very much aligned with obviously psychology, but also the more somatic and body-based practices that link up the body and the mind. I think that traditional psychology, unfortunately, can be quite limited when we're talking about talk therapy. And there's something really, really special about going beneath the surface, beneath the symptomatology and into, okay, like what's the function of the symptom? What's the story that's being held in your body and how can we actually move through that to get you to long-term healing and symptom reduction and obviously thriving. That's what we want for our clients, right? Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I find myself um, wanting to just be trained in the somatic-based work. I love EMDR. EMDR. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I know you do tapping as well. That's something that I need to know more about. So incredible because you can teach your clients to do that Mm -hmm. and send them off into the world to soothe their nervous systems themselves Mm -hmm. and that is yeah it's amazing and something I've heard quite a lot from a few different psychologists that they're finding that old school kind of generic talk therapy kind of isn't hitting it as much as they thought it might and so they're moving into the realm more of body work can you tell us you know what you really think is really effective in like you know combination obviously healing isn't just linear and it's not just with one practice, but what do you think, you know, really, really supports your client on their journey? I think I definitely agree with your sentiment that healing is not linear. And I think, you know, when I think about healing for a person that needs to encompass mind, body, and also soul. Mm. So, absolutely there there should be some cognitive based mm-hmm. practice in there whether that is through talk therapy or whether that is through practices of journaling for example or just self inquiry but i think there also needs to be body based practices so whether that is working with a therapist and doing something like emdr tapping 
um, whatever it might be, kinesiology, hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. um, or also physically moving the body. I think that we're seeing this sort of wave of at least what I'm seeing on social media. This is being spoken about a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the the small practices that we can do with our body throughout the day um, that are soothing to our nervous system are, yeah, being discussed in mm. all over social media, which is amazing. Yeah. And um, I love that about you is that you are so holistic mm. and just treating one thing. And I think that that is amazing, this new wave of practitioners coming yeah. through that are really focusing on, you know, new research and new information, but also collating that with ancient practices, you know, EMDR and tapping bodywork somatic exercises are all quite primal, I feel, and they're quite basic. You know, tapping is just done on meridian points, which is traditional Chinese medicine. Like Absolutely. it all kind of comes together. Yeah. So I think that that is really inspiring for people who feel like they've been in psychology and CBT talk therapy for years, decades, and they're not quite getting that, you know, support that they need. Again, I think it is so important, mm. but, you know, trauma is stored in the body and to bring that up is very scary and nervous system wants to keep us safe, of course. Mm. But I guess, yeah, how do you go about it? Do you, I mean, my next question was probably mm. why do you think mental health is so prevalent in our modern world? Mm. Such a good question. And this is something I talk about all the time in my personal life. <laughs> um, I mean, when when someone comes to me and they've got whatever it might be, whatever symptoms, I think it's it's so important as a first step to firstly look at the function of the behaviour but also to look at how is this a product of the system and the society and the culture that we are in. Because if we just look at an individual's symptoms based on themselves and pathologize the individual rather than the society, we are missing a huge aspect of mental health, right? Like when I zoom out and I think about the state of the world, the the fast-paced nature of our society I think of course we're neurotic (laughs) like of course we're stressed of course we burn out and that's just societally that's not saying oh you have trauma or you've had you know this diagnosis this is just like on a on a you know huge macro level this is what we're all experiencing and then you add the little intricacies of humans into that and it's a little bit of a perfect storm isn't it yes so I think like zooming out and and looking at more on a I guess world scale and a societal scale can help to destigmatize a little bit of what people's experiences are but also be like okay well yeah what do I need to do as an individual knowing that this is the world that I live in yes absolutely mm-hmm. and I think our modern world is amazing it's such a cool time to be alive but you're right everything that is going on and social media and just all of the information flooding in sometimes it does make me want to be avoidant and go into a forest and stay there (laughs) I always talk to my friends about starting a commune um I'll be there with you (laughs) 
But you're right, it is it is a really confronting space to be in and there is so much information going around. And I do find that the nervous system is such a big driver of other pathology. And so for you, what are some of your kind of favourite ways to support your own nervous system as an individual and obviously in a clinical mm-hmm. setting as well? Mm. Yeah, one modality that we haven't actually spoken about is applied polyvagal theory. Um And that is one that I have both loved myself to have an understanding of, um, but also that I very early on in sessions with clients will spend time teaching and mapping out what that looks like. And that's directly, have you, have you heard of applied polyvagal theory? I have, but I don't know enough about it. Okay. So it's all about the vagus nerve. So naturally it's all about the nervous system and mapping out our different states that we essentially navigate through throughout our day. Mm -hmm. Um, And why I love it so much is that it's not pathological in any way, shape or form because we all have a vagus nerve. (laughs) We all have a nervous system. So it's like really this unified experience, but it teaches you the nuances of both, I guess, how we perceive through our eyes um, senses of threat but also of safety. But it also teaches us that there's also something called neuroception, which is what our body is picking up on in our environment. So that can be just, you know, a vibe, for example, when you walk into a room that has nothing to do with what you see. So I think it's a really beautiful little introduction to how am I trusting my body and how is my body telling me what feels good um, and what doesn't feel good. So I love applied polyvagal theory as a little bit of a lens through which to see the world. Um, And Deb Dana is amazing. She shares a lot of free resources out there for both clients and clinicians to have a little peep of if they want to see. Um, but in terms of what I do on a probably more daily basis, if I can, comes back to that body, mind, soul thing, you know, like how can I ensure that I'm nourishing all of the parts of me? So my more mind based practice would definitely be journaling. I do think it's quite cognitive. Um, so whether that's, you know, using a prompt to find some inspiration and then write from, or whether it's writing poetry about something painful that might've happened, that's like one of my biggest, like from pain to power moves. Wow. That's amazing. For sure. Um, yeah, I think there's something so beautiful about making art from pain. Mm. Um, so definitely journaling. In terms of body, I think movement, daily movement doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be expensive. Um, Whether that's like dancing in your bedroom in your pyjamas in the morning to your favourite song or walking your dog, stretching on a yoga mat in the backyard. Um, For me, movement is integral to the way that my nervous system is functioning throughout the day and the way that I can show up for clients um and it's been such a journey with me with my back as well so it's been kind of a blessing having had that experience because I feel so in tune with all of the little things that come into play to make me feel strong 
and powerful throughout the day. Um, so definitely movement of some form. And then in terms of soul, I think that can be so many different things for different people. For me, that can be as simple as my daily meditation practice. Like that's a non-negotiable for me. Wherever I wake up, I'm starting my day in presence and in breath. Um, breath work is another amazing one for the nervous system. Um, but also I think we can bring divinity and soul into all of the little micro moments of our day, like whether that's the first sip of coffee we take or making a little cacao, um, even the first step you take out of your home in the morning, finding the sun and just taking a breath and being like, oh, my gosh, the sun is shining down on me. What a blessing, you know. Um, there is soul and spirit and divinity in all of life, so that can be tapped into freely. I think that would be what I have to say, the trifecta, mind, body, soul. <laughs> I love that. I have so many things to say. But <laughs> start off with I think the most beautiful one was finding the divine in those little moments. So I know that sometimes clients when they come in, they're like, oh, I have to do this, and, blah, 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 and they go on this big rant, and I'm like, let it out. That's fantastic. Bring it up. But how can we change our mindset and our thought pattern around this? Because this has changed my life hugely. I used to, I remember the first time I kind of thought about this, it was on the train to uni years and years ago. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be here. I can't believe I have to go into the city and do, 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 do. And then I just looked, sat back and I was sitting down and I just went, okay, how can I actually look at this in a different lens? I get to go to university at my college in a beautiful city. I'm on public transport. I get to sit down. I'm safe. And that kind of just, I feel like it just unraveled this like mm -hmm. inside my mind to go, mm -hmm. whoa, I'm doing the exact same thing, but I'm just looking at it with a different lens. And even though I sometimes you have to fake it till you make it, like yeah. if you're having a really yuck day, but it's just amazing what that mindset shift will do even if you don't truly feel it in your body, just to tell your mind. The mind doesn't know, the subconscious doesn't know, right, the difference between Absolutely. you being sarcastic and you telling the truth. So, you know, what you said before, um, what you tell your body is what it's going to perceive. And that is the power of our nervous system. It's so, um, what's the word? It just takes things quite straight, 180, yeah. right? So what you tell your body, it's going to believe. And I love that, you know, you did like, dance and dancing in your room because again that's a somatic practice so mm. if you are listening to this and you're like oh my goodness all these things sound amazing but I'm confused where do I begin it doesn't have to be that you're meditating for five hours a day absolutely I always say it to clients let's just start with hey I'm looking out the window I've got a warm coffee in my hand I can see the birds I can hear the trees rustling I'm safe and, you know, all of those little senses that you can pick up, mm -hmm. that's being mindful. It doesn't have to be going to an ashram and being silent for 12 days. Totally. It can literally be you sitting at your desk and having a micro moment. I think those micro moments are so beautiful throughout the day to just have a breath. It's so beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, by definition, mindfulness is returning your attention. Mm -hmm. It's not sitting in lotus position in a cave, you know, the way you choose to be mindful and be meditative is up to you. But 
if you can attend to something beautiful, then you're doing it right. And every time you lose attention and you regain attention, you're just strengthening that muscle. So I think that that's, yeah, so beautiful that what you're reminding your clients of is it's actually just a matter of connecting with your senses and being fully in the world, being fully present to the experience of this moment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, just little small things to start with, because a lot of the time, if you are holding on to a lot of stuff and that's buried deep in the body, to just begin gently with little bite-sized pieces. You know, that's why I love EMDR and tapping is because you don't have to do anything. You literally just have to tap on these points and that is magical to me. So, yeah, thank you for sharing all of that beautiful stuff that you do with clients. And I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on stored trauma and mm. how that can come up in symptomology, how that comes mm-hmm. shows up for people in the body. Mm. There's so much to say on this. I mean, (laughs) the body keeps the score. (laughs) And again, I think we're seeing a big wave of knowledge being poured out in this area. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, if you watch a somatic practice being done, for example, or, um, yeah, if anybody's ever seen little snippets of EMDR sessions online, you'll notice that, um, these body-based modalities are a sure way to fully engage the vessel in the healing process. Mm-hmm. Um, what we know from the literature and the research is that when a traumatic event happens, most of the time our brain does magical things and processes it, like 97% of the time, you know. But there are instances few percent of the time where that doesn't happen and the trauma is stored in the animal part of the brain in the limbic system and it's stored there because our brain's trying to keep us safe essentially it wants to be able to tap back into that as quickly as possible so that if something pops up in our environment that might be similar in some way to that initial traumatic event um our our body can have a signal to fight flight freeze form so it's an incredibly wise system but I guess what that means is that sometimes talking about traumas um, doesn't quite hit the spot because sometimes trauma can't be talked about for example it can't be accessed by that cognitive part of the brain which is the front part of the brain the prefrontal cortex which is the human part of the brain So we actually have to get into the more primal, more animalistic limbic system and process those memories. And so that's where that beautiful body-based work comes into play because it's not cognitive. Um, It's allowing us to directly access that material without words and bring that into awareness so that it can be moved through the body. So you know, the process of EMDR is very much about moving a memory from the limbic system into our awareness and essentially changing a cognitive belief system that we learnt about ourselves because of the trauma um, and allowing our bodies to feel that in the here and now I am safe and I am okay in spite of this happening to me. So you see quite profound shifts happen 
Um, I mean, my own experience with EMDR before I was trained in EMDR, I was like, this is just, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> it is in- amazing. And for those who might not, who may not have worked with EMDR mm. before, could you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes, for sure. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. And it's a bit of a funny one. It's really fun to explain to clients what the process of EMDR is like in therapy because traditionally when someone books in to see a psychologist, they don't think that they're going to be doing something like this with a therapist. So the process of EMDR is essentially about identifying a traumatic memory, although it doesn't actually have to be a traumatic memory per se, but typically there's a traumatic memory that's causing someone a lot of distress, whether that's psychologically or physically in the body, um, and also a cognitive belief, a negative belief that's been formed because of that experience. So say there's a traumatic event and then I have um, formed this belief about myself that I'm unworthy. So during MDR, you're going to be holding in mind the memory, the belief, and you're then going to do something really special, which is you are literally going to follow your practitioner's, well, for me, I use my hands. You can do an array of different things. And you're just tracking your practitioner's fingers with your eyes. So that's the eye movement aspect. So the research says that the bilateral stimulation, which can be done with the hands, it can be done with lights, it can be done with um, little buzzers, um, butterfly hugs. That motion stimulates the brain similarly to when we're in REM sleep, which is, you know, the most medicinal part of sleep, right? Um, so that assists the brain in shifting the memory out of the limbic system and into prefrontal cortex where we can process it in the here and now. Um, so you're supported by your clinician during that process. And absolutely the, you know, the, the emotions, the visceral experience that was felt at the time when you experienced the trauma will most likely be felt in that moment but you are held and you are contained and you are, yeah, it's it's going to be a different experience for you because you're working with your clinician and your body will learn throughout the sessions that that event is in the past and I'm okay now. And that's sort of the the goal really for your body to be able to know, not cognitively, because your mind might think like it's over. I get it. But the body does not connect those dots because the the two little bits of the brain are not talking. So we need them to be communicating and we need the body to come online and really feel that so that we can feel fully alive in the present. It is absolutely an amazing practice to do. And if anyone is listening to this and like, I need this, you have to do it. I'll give obviously all of Lauren's information at the end, but you're so right. I think, you know, some people can experience chronic anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time it does come from a trauma. And Jules Vandermatt, my EFT um, mentor, she always says that trauma doesn't have to be a huge event. Trauma is just something, a big scary thing happened. Yeah. 
And that big scary thing could be mum was late to pick you up from school or, you know, dad didn't get you from the doctors at one time. It can be that they can set you up for, oh, I'm not worthy of love. And Mm -hmm. so that can be obviously deeply ingrained in a child's brain and inner Mm -hmm. child work is also really potent here because absolutely able to tap into that energy and use that as a form of healing rather than you know that fear state is is really helpful and again if someone's really really anxious or they get triggered a lot by something it can literally go back to that one memory of mum not picking them up from school and they had no idea that every time someone was late to pick them up they get angry and they have a big you know reaction to that it can be because of that and I think that's why these body works MDR tapping can be quite confronting you know, I've had sessions personally and with clients where a lot goes on. But mm-hmm. as you said, it's a container where they are safe and they are held. They're physically not in that moment of danger. And so I guess it's a little bit of exposure too to them being like, actually, okay, I'm safe. I'm here. And it's not an overnight Band-Aid quick fix. Mm-hmm. But by this work that you're sharing, it is it is very, very important. And I think that everyone even if they say oh, I don't have any trauma I'm fine everyone has something so I really thank you for sharing that and you know Stacey Camacho amazing psychotherapist she's a Buddhist psychotherapist always talks about um pathology symptoms coming up in the body is actually the root of trauma so for example PCOS can be because of trauma endometriosis is because of trauma mm. she doesn't believe that any dis-ease comes about randomly. So I think what you were just saying really, really connects with that idea that trauma is stored in the body and it's stored in certain parts and there are definitely practices where we can liberate that and help you. Absolutely. And you make such a good point that I think just to debunk a little bit of maybe a misconception around trauma, which is that people are often of the belief that, yes, it's this big, catastrophic, big T trauma, um trauma can also be a combination of little micro moments that on the surface you might cognitively think oh that's not traumatic but again your nervous system in your body if that in the moment has picked up I'm unsafe it's going to store that and if there are lots of those little moments whether throughout your childhood or adolescence or adult life it will add up and there will be somewhere along the line a belief formed um so it's definitely what happened to you but I think also trauma is what didn't happen to you mm-hmm. and that's something working with clients that I'm constantly so it saddens me so much you know doing work with sort of attachment-based developmental trauma is that people really don't think that you know being neglected is trauma And it's, yeah, it upsets me so much because there are so many little micro moments that we've all experienced where we didn't have someone attuning to our needs as a young person. Um, And that can look, you know, that's on a spectrum. But that's a really important part to also recognise that trauma is both what happened to us and what didn't happen to us. Um, And that can inform the basis of what's going on in our vessel. Yes, absolutely. And such a good point to touch on what didn't happen to us as well and all those little micro moments. And, of course, you know, our caregivers aren't perfect and they're never going to provide everything and it 
some a lot of the time they didn't mean it by ex humans <laughs> things we all do it but in saying that I think it's really amazing that there is this facilitator of you and other practitioners that are creating this world for people to come to because everyone has a right and deserves to heal trauma and I think absolutely everyone needs to do this work no matter who you are what you are what you've done it is very important I think this should be taught in schools that children to graduate have to finish like an EMDR tapping course or something (laughs) because to be in touch with your emotions and actually oh I'm triggered by something why is this showing up for me rather than just attacking or running away which of course is that sympathetic nervous system coming into play important but in this modern world it's not likely that we're going to be chased by a lion or bear on a daily basis we aren't physically under a death threat you know the sympathetic is important we need to step away from standing in front of a bus or something like that but Again, the body doesn't know the difference between a threatening work email and actually a threat. So for you, for people that are listening and they're kind of struggling with their mental health or anxiety, what are some kind of little gentle prompts that you can provide for people that want to jump into this world or, you know, want to begin something? Mm. I think you know, my, the gold standard. And just like you're saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if that was like part of finishing (laughs) school, um, that you had to engage in some sort of work like this, you know, the gold standard would be to do some beautiful research and find a clinician or clinicians to work with directly, um, to do some of this work. But I think that that's not available to every single person, unfortunately. And I think that there are still so many incredible free resources out there to sort of dabble in and just to find your feet with. Um, So I definitely, definitely can recommend finding some sort of body-based practice to start with. So whether that is, you know, choosing to do a guided breath work session or meditation session um, or finding someone amazing on YouTube who might walk you through something. Um, I think that can be quite a helpful place to start. Um, but I also think that a lot of clinicians out there now are sharing so much wisdom online. So like, I know you put videos out there. I do as well, where you can get snippets of some of this wisdom that might resonate with you and that you might be able to take with you into your day. Um, so whether that is a prompt that you sort of sit with and reflect on throughout the day, for example, um, that can be really helpful too. I don't know that I answered that question right. (laughs) I think, I think that's perfect because again, those little prompts can make someone's life completely change. So even if someone has never tried meditation, you know, I'm sure that's something that you would say, maybe jump into that and give it a go. And you're right, there is a lot of disparity with the availability of services to a lot of people. So I think those little nuggets of gold were were perfect. I also think, yeah, finding, yeah, finding any one thing and committing to it, you know, like whether that's you going to a secondhand bookstore and going to the self-help aisle and choosing a book from there and being like, okay, this is going to be my practice. I'm going to just read a little bit of this every day. Um, That's discipline and commitment to yourself and your healing 
journey. It doesn't have to be, yeah, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be a big financial commitment either. It can just be um, something that you sort of say to yourself. Yeah, in those micro moments of like, okay, I'm going to try and be present in this moment. And if I'm not very good at it, then that's okay because I'm practicing and I'm learning. Um, doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be EMDR, but also if you are available to practice that, please do because it's so incredible. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think that is such a beautiful, tiny little look into your amazing practice and your work. I'm constantly inspired by you. I just think your knowledge base is just sensational. Um, and I'd love to ask one last question. So if anyone finds themselves in a state of, you know, panic or really mm. overwhelmed, is there, you know, one little thing that you like to impart with clients that they can do just to bring themselves back down? Mm. Mm. Okay. This is my favourite breath practice and it's one that I actually dreamed up when I was in intense distress myself and I call it the infinity breath. And what it is, I've got a little bit of paper, so I'll draw I'll draw you an infinity symbol. Yeah. But literally what it is is a sleepy infinity sign that looks like this, okay? So you can either draw yourself an infinity symbol on a piece of paper, you can close your eyes and you can imagine the infinity symbol, or if you like touch and if that's soothing, you can actually sort of trace that symbol on your skin. And the pattern of the breath is breathing in for four counts, holding for four counts, and exhaling for eight counts. So what we know when we are in sympathetic arousal is that our heart rate increases and we are not getting enough beautiful oxygen. So we need to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And the best way to do that, or one of the best ways, is to extend the exhale. So if you are in intense panic and you feel that you can't quite get to eight, just try your best to get beyond four and that will be soothing for you. And I notice that when I do this, I can do just three rounds. So really it's three patterns of this breath and I notice my distress come down. So yeah, whether you choose to close your eyes and visualize the tracing of the infinity symbol, or if you're touching your hand or drawing on a bit of paper you do that and it's kind of I guess you're both breathing but you're also putting your attention on something outside of you because you're focusing on the symbol so I find that to be quite helpful and it's also bilateral stimulation because you're going side to side so it's combining a few little beautiful nuggets but that would be my my one tip yeah I love that and that's just, you know, quick, available to everyone. And if you are in that state of complete overwhelm and distress, that extended exhale is just like a switch. It's just beautiful. So mm. thank you for sharing that tip. Is there any other little nuggets or anything that you think you'd love to share with the community before we finish off for today? I think one thing that I myself have been really finding the pull to is finding community. And again, this is another free thing, right? Um, I personally struggle to find my people. Um, I'm a very introverted person, so I connect really well one-on-one, but sometimes I get a little bit nervous in groups. (laughs) So um, 
for me, I've really been setting the intention of finding my people and um, I'm very excited. I'm actually creating a little women's circle, some beautiful dots joined and aligned and that's happening. But yeah, all to say is that I really encourage you on your healing journey to find like-minded folk who are friends, who are allies and who will just hold you and be with you. This doesn't have to be a professional. This can be someone that you connect with on the interwebs. It can be someone that you've bumped into at a coffee shop. Um, You don't have to do this alone. And inevitably what I see in the online world is that this is such a shared experience and that's something that we actually just need to settle into and unite over. It doesn't have to be trauma bonding, (laughs) but it can just be, yeah, that acknowledgement that we're all human beings and we all have pain. And I really love to think that on this journey, we're all seeking something higher for ourselves. And so finding those people that inspire that in you and hold space for you to do that is just everything and more. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast episode. (laughs) I love that. And I really think that you are so right there. There There's so much going on in the world and to have your people by your side. And it doesn't have to be 20 women. It can literally just be three. I know I can count my close girlfriends on one hand. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is so nourishing to be able to sit with someone in presence and just know that they love and care for you and vice versa. And also, you know, we're mammals, we're meant to move in groups. So I love that. And I would love to hear more about this women's circle. Um, So I'd love for you to share where we can find you. I know everyone will be chomping at the bit to contact (laughs) you. So share with us your details. Okay. So my website is my name, laurenwoods.com.au. And I also share little snippets of healing on Instagram and TikTok. And the handle is letters from Lauren. Be beautiful to connect with anybody from your community. Yeah. And please, everyone go and share some love with her because her offering and what she puts out is just so magnificent. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It's been a joy and I can't wait to have you back on to talk more Mm -hmm. about all of the beautiful stuff, but thank you so much. Thank you for having me.